you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animate chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. yesterday at uh, Dark Delicacies. It was yeah. uh, a lot of fun. A guy, so uh, a guy came in with the British quad poster. So he had gotten like back in 1982, been a fan of the film since 1982. He came in with a femme fatale magazine from the 90s. Uh, I think there was an issue of Cine Fantastique. There was an issue of Penthouse. Uh, and a fan magazine I'd never heard. I mean, I was really blown away by how many, you know, like when, when Jason had gone to Comic-Con and was signing up there at the sales pavilion, I don't think I'd seen anybody, I was always catching at the tail end of his shifts anyway. So, you know, I, when people came up, it was more like, oh, you, I know who you are, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas this was people who were like really hardcore fans, um, so uh, I met somebody from Digital Domain as we were just t- talking about Deadpool, Once Upon a Deadpool, one of the guys who had done the character animation for Deadpool. And uh, he said, oh, well, I'm friends with Dennis Mirren and, and Jim Danforth. And I said, oh, dear. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was kind to them in the book. <laughs> you know? So uh, he gave me his email and said uh, he'd try to, try to uh, connect me up with them to I said, yeah, there's nothing I could do. It would I, I really wish I could have had that connection three years ago. But you know, that's great. Um, it was uh, still, it was, and it was really a fun event to. Uh, plus, again, I love Dark Talks, which I will talk about later. So, we're recording, and I will say this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of FanboyPlanet.com, and in the Brett Cave, manipulating all the circles of dots and the lights and the waveforms and all that. Podcast producer. Rick Brett Snyder. Thank you, Rick. And uh, today is our special uh, holiday gift guide uh, for 2018, but we also have uh, an interview from the L.A. Comic Con. And before we get into that, I do want to say, of course, that if you are listening to this on your favorite podcast provider, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or you can go to Fanboy Planet directly because each and every podcast has a page there. Uh, we appreciate your coming. And if your provider has a subscription, by all means, subscribe and tell your friends about Fanboy Planet. Assuming, of course, you're enjoying it. Since this is the gift guide uh, episode, we will say that, of course, anything we talk about on this podcast that uh, you would like to own for yourself or buy for someone else and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store, we do have handy-dandy Amazon links, and there's a search box on each and every page on Fanboy Planet, as well as, I think with the gift guide, we normally do put direct links into the things we talk about oh, yes. if they're available on Amazon. And so, you know, over the next couple of days, you and I will be working on that, I'm sure, uh, as well. 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know what Rick's going to recommend. Rick may know what I – oh, you do know because I wrote I it down. Wrote, what I, I, wrote. I wrote mine before <laughs> I saw yours. So No, no, no. no. Okay. No, no. What I was going to say is I don't know if anything you're recommending is on ThinkGeek. And, of course, move beyond people. If uh, there's something on ThinkGeek, we do have the search box there as well. So if you go through the link on Fanboy Planet to ThinkGeek, we are affiliated there as well. They, both Amazon and ThinkGeek do give us a little bit of, of money back to help support Fanboy Planet and the cost of of hosting that. And as well, if you'd just like to, hey, what a nice Christmas gift for us uh, to help defray the cost of to supporting and hosting this podcast and the website, uh, you can go to PayPal and donate at editor at fanboyplanet.com. As well as if you'd like to uh, reach out to us, you've got questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticisms, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. You can reach out to us and join our page on Facebook, which is Fanboy Planet. You can tweet us and follow us on, on Twitter at Fanboy Planet. And you can follow us on Instagram as well at Fanboy Planet. And uh, I do want to mention that, of course, we do have – this podcast will be out, before, I'm hoping, at least Thanksgiving weekend before or during Black Friday. And uh, on Tuesday, November 27th, so I don't know what we'd call that, if it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday – what would Tuesday be? Um, I don't know. Do something good Tuesday? Let's call it that. On Tuesday, <laughs> November 27th, uh, the Audacity Performing Arts Project, which is a nonprofit near and dear to my heart, uh, is uh, holding a fundraiser at Elusive Comics and Games and Isle of Gamers in Santa Clara. So I realize, uh, listeners, this is strictly local to Santa Clara, but I'm sure that there are events around, and we'll talk further about other ways you can help nonprofits uh, as a holiday idea. But this one is specific. The uh, a portion of their sales, uh, which is comics, games, books, and Funko Pops and all that at both stores, uh, will go to uh, the Audacity Performing Arts Project, which is a performing arts nonprofit that supports and develops after-school performing arts productions and workshops for and with the poorest, underfunded, and lowest-performing Silicon Valley public schools. Uh, Arts education, very near and dear to my heart. And if you are not in Santa Clara uh, or in the Silicon Valley, you may consider looking at, I'm sure you're in an area, there must be some sort of arts education project that uh, maybe you could give to directly as well. So um, thank you for that. And I'm going to say here, uh, we've got an interview, uh, which, uh, Rick, it's in two parts because I did the thing where, we're on the floor at the L.A. Comic-Con, and people walked up and wanted to buy the books. And I, I swear, I will not get in the way of, of some creator who, whose work I admire, or even uh, a creator I, whose work I don't know. I will not get in the way of them actually selling their books, because that's really why they're at these kind of conventions. So uh, there are two files, part one and part two, and uh, I think I even call it out as part two uh, when the second one starts. But this is, uh, I had a chance to talk with Javier Hernandez, was creator of El Muerto, and you and I, Rick, we interviewed him 10 years ago, and I think we were talking about this, trying to figure out which convention it was. It was in Santa Clara, I want to say it was Silicon, one that does not exist anymore. I think it was Silicon. uh, Yeah, so, uh, and he and I were trying to figure it out, uh, but that was a while back, his creation, El Muerto, had been made into an independent film. And uh, I think that's why he was there, because it was the year that Silicon became, uh, brought in a, a huge horror crowd as well. Right. Was uh, the, but he was just, it, uh, 
It was at the, I think it was still the Red Lion then, or was it? I think Double it was Tree? still the Red Lion. No, I, I think you're right. I think it was still the Red Lion. Well, and he has just released a 20th anniversary edition of El Muerto and redrawn because he's, you know, 20 years ago. He's learned much more about storytelling, so he's got a trade paperback of that, and he's moving forward with further uh, stories about that character, El Muerto, as well as doing some, again, here we are talking about arts education. He is doing so much to give back to the community, and he's inspired so many other creators. Um, I don't think it's much of a stretch to say that uh, Border Town, my favorite book from Vertigo right now, would not exist if not for the inspiration of Javier Hernandez back in 1997 to uh, Eric Esquivel, seeing that, yes, these stories can be told. And so uh, this is an exciting interview and a great chance to talk to a a really wonderful person. So uh, without further ado, from L.A. Comic-Con, Javier Hernandez. Hey, I'm at L.A. Comic-Con with Javier Hernandez, who was on a podcast, we're thinking like 10 years ago, maybe nine, let's be fair, uh, and you do a lot of conventions, so I, you know, you don't remember, but you were, uh, you are the creator of uh, El Muerto, uh, which was an independent comic, I don't know, what year did you start that? Because yeah, so I'm actually on my 20th anniversary right now with El Muerto, the first issue came out in 1998. Yeah, okay, and it was made into a feature film. Starring, a feature film starring, starring Wilmer. Valderrama. Uh, that film was released in 2007, and um, I had a little cameo in it. Yeah. Good. You should. I mean, yeah. they make it, you know. And Stan Lee can get cameos <laughs> and all that. Give me one. Let me give, give, one. give you one. And you have just released, uh, or you're here selling, I don't know if it just came out, the 20th anniversary edition called Days of the Dead, D-A-Z-E, uh, of the Dead, and perfect for this time of year as well. Uh, but let, let, let's talk about you know. Uh, so in 1998, it's a refresh, refresh this. So you decide to create this character. What what was your inspiration, and, and what is it about? Let's refresh that sure. for listeners. Sure. So so back in 1998, we didn't have hashtags, so I couldn't say hashtag representation these, matters and all these that. These were primitive days. All that great <laughs> stuff that now is happening. Yeah. But me and a lot of other people, we wanted to make comics that reflected, you know, our individual culture, our background. Uh, cultural heritage so for me I wanted to do something involving like Mexican folklore and Aztec mythology so again 20 years ago I thought uh, using Day of the Dead as a story element which I don't think you would see in comics at all back then if you know maybe one or two but you didn't see it much in the general pop culture American pop culture I mean now today as we're talking 2018 you know, a year past Coco, that wonderful Coco movie yeah. from last year. Uh, there's like California lottery scratchers, Day of the Dead on it. It's funny. Um, the time has come. But back then I wanted to do this comic. So it's a story about this young man. He's born on Day of the Dead, November 2nd. On his 21st birthday, he gets killed in a car accident. And he gets resurrected by the Aztec god of death. And he's turned into this uh, supernatural character, El Muerto, the Aztec zombie. And um, the first, so I have this new graphic novel retelling those original stories because I didn't like to, you know, when I look back at it. Right, let's talk about that. Yeah, because you said, like, I had read the early issues. Yeah. And then you said, oh, well, this still seemed new to you. So you give me the best quote. You felt like George Lucas. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, what have you learned about storytelling that made you redraw or rewrite those issues? Um, Okay, that's good. Well, I, I don't know what I've learned. I mean, I don't know if I could quantify it. I know I've grown as a storyteller. 
So I redrew the original issues. I expanded some more of the background of the character because that was lacking in the first stories from 98 and uh, those uh, following issues. Um, so I think it's just a richer story. The character, I think, has a richer background. And, you know, the art is just going to be better. I don't know how to tell you otherwise. Everybody's art gets better 10 years, 20 years, 30 years mm-hmm. later. So I, so I like the way the art looks now, and I think the story just reads better. And now it's the full, complete origin of El Muerto. It's almost like it took me 20 years to get to the beginning. And then you're going to move forward. And now we got to move forward. Another 20. We'll see, you know, God willing, we'll see how many more decades I got. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's been great doing this 20th anniversary tour. I do, like you said, I do a lot of shows. And um, I run into, well, like you came up to my table and you're like, hey, I read that years ago. I interviewed you. And I did not recognize the man from Adam. But now we're caught up here. So, Derek, but thank you. you. Uh, thanks for not calling me Adam. That's yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, and, and you know, it, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. Hello, it's like a card stand. Hearing our main this is my comic. At 11:30. Oh yeah, uh, comic. I did a convention called Chicano Con, and I did a print. Oh yeah. So it's about five dollars each. They'll sign the number or the number. I can sign it. Yeah. Sure. Right. You want to get one? Okay. Yeah. Be five dollars. I'll pause. Hernandez part two uh, which is good I love being able to pause so that you could actually, actually no, no. So work you know this is fun doing so this is a, this is a good a good place to, to, to shift because you are giving back you're not just creating uh, comics you're creating creating a comics community you are one of the founder founders co-founder, co-founder uh, of the Latino comics Expo which is how many years has that been going on uh, so I me and my friend Ricardo Padilla we founded it in 2011 so we're almost coming up to 10 years on that and, it, and it's an annual show and it's just what it sounds like it's a small convention focusing on Latino Latina creators comics graphic novels political cartoons animation um, you know we've had novelists filmmakers here and there mm-hmm. so and our, our next show is going to be in March 2019 at Modesto College up in Modesto California yeah, so and that's the interesting thing is so, so this was at the museum uh, last year is the Museum of Latin American Art in Long Beach. Yes. So you don't just you haven't just like put down your flag and said this is where it is. We go to the people. That's amazing. That's a great slogan. You, 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 <laughs> why uh, you know what? Why why did you want that to be your operating model? Uh, you know, well, that, uh, maybe it's just necessity. It's because. It's just basically a, a two-man operation, although we do get a lot of assistance from family and other friends. But it, it helps us we, to partner with the venue because me and him don't have to pay $20,000, whatever it would cost to rent a place. Yeah. We partner. So come to our museum or our campus, and then we t- you know we figure out a, uh, a plan with the venue and then you know figure out the arrangements, and then so now we have a venue. Yeah. And, you know, people like having us there at their museum or their college, like, wow, we're having the ex... And every year, you know, your name gets more cachet, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah. eventually you may settle down in a place. Um, I, you know, there's obviously, I think that's the basic model. But I, we kind of like being a roving uh, event. Well, well, I like taking it to the people. I like you take it, yeah. You know, in a way that something like Wizard World, which is, or, or Walker Stalker Con, these are celebrity driven. This is creator driven. As much as I, I'm, I'm really enjoying here yeah. because I heard all these announcements of comics creators signing. Yeah, just I do like that. that. Yeah, I do like that. And Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are coming, you know, great, you know, and, and more power to them. But we got plenty of places for them. 
but the people are coming to get into comics and get into literature and so forth. Yeah. Comics is literature. I'm sorry. It definitely uh, is. I can, I can attest to that. And you're teaching as well. So that's uh, I wanted to touch on that too. You sure. teach classes. Yeah, I teach comic book workshops. Uh, so I'm here in L.A. And um, I teach around the city. I teach at libraries. I've taught at museums and um, I, a lot of programs here in L.A., like after school programs. So I work for company, uh, places like that. And I've even taught classes at conventions like i've done one or two at a long beach comic con and wizard world or WonderCon. so anyway mm-hmm. whoever wants me to teach a class contact me and you know figure out an arrangement and i'll go do it and we'll make sure we have that uh, social media you oh, thank you sir in the postcard how has the landscape changed for you you know we were just talking about like i did say and i'm going to put it on the podcast uh i'm calling out uh, eric esquivel i said do you, do you know him and you said well he's supposed to come by and i'm like I'm going to sit here until he does <laughs> because of border town. But, but that's but, why you're talking so slow. Yes, I do. Uh, no, because I tend to. But no, really, it is when you started in 1998, you said like this outfit, you know, there just wasn't an awareness of the day of, of the dead, uh, of, of Latin, Latinx culture. I, I'm hoping I said it right, you know, that that it seems to have shifted and you were the you were one of the lone ones. I'll give the uh, Hernandez brother, the yes, please, the, the, the brothers, uh, Love, Love and Rockets. Rockets. Uh, yeah, in 1998, I was, when I was looking at the landscape, yeah, Jaime and Beto uh, Hernandez, no relation, um, at Star 11 Rockets, you know, years before, and then there was pockets here and there, like, when I was looking around in 97, 98, I learned about this guy, Richard Dominguez, from Texas, he had done a comic called El Gato Negro, self-published, and then yeah, we learned about... It. I haven't read it, but I, I, Yeah, he's been it. around a few years longer than I have, so I'm sure you came across it. There was another gentleman from Los Angeles where I'm from Carlos Saldana is doing a comic called Burrito Burritos a little don- uh, anthropomorphic donkey, uh, yeah. talking Burrow. animal comic yeah. and, and there was a few other here and there but you know it was still it was enough to inspire people like me and Ralph like you know what they've done it I can do it so, mean, uh, Rafael Navarro oh okay. yeah I'm sorry Rafael Navarro. No, no, I did, no I know I just wanted for people listening need- who's, who's that you know it's like yeah Rafael Navarro and he and I had actually done a horror story about we did our take on La, La Llorona so that we could uh, maintain the rights of uh, <laughs> La Engañada in uh, Bela Lugosi's Tales from the Grave. So, you know. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. He's never shown you that story? I didn't know you were the writer. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to get on that then. Okay. Anyway, uh, so not enough about me, but about the landscape and how that has that, that, that changed. Yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Eric Esquivel. He actually wrote the intro to uh, my new comic. And, um, I mean, I hear this a lot now, now that I'm a gray-haired veteran and it feels very nice. He remembers reading my comic when he was working at a comic shop 20 years ago in Arizona. And for him, like for me, with looking at Richard and the Hernandez brothers, for Eric, he's like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know we as Mexicans can make our own comics of our own characters. So it, it's nice to be on the other side now where younger creators are looking at your my stuff. So, and there's a lot more, you know, not because of me, but I think just uh, young Latina, Latino creators. They're kind of, I mean, we all love Spider-Man, Batman, Iron Man, all that stuff. I certainly do. But we're like, why can't we see more characters of Latino descent in the comics, right? Latino stories and, of course, all the great mythologies we have. So mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely, you know, multiplying by, I don't know, a hundredfold almost every day. You know, it's wonderful in comics and in the general media. A lot, yeah. lot more work to be done. But definitely in comics, it's definitely changed with... There's a way more now, way more, way more women creators now, Latina mm-hmm. creators, from the you know back in '98, 
I think I, I only knew of one at the time, uh, Laura Molina. She had done one issue of this very poli- hyper-political comic, um, you know, against all the racists and, you know, you know, yeah. right-wing uh, hate groups back then. Things haven't changed. Oh, no. But there's so many more women now doing comic of all type. And yeah. again, everyone's doing, all the Latino creators are doing political, they're doing superhero, historical, autobio. They should do every every type of genre. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, what is next for you? Are you going to continue with? Is there more to El Muerto story? Or are you going to work out of the uh, Hernandez extended universe? Yeah. Well, I over the years I see so many characters on your banner. Yeah, over the years I've done other characters, other comics, which most of them are sold out. But I can bring them back in print. You know, I have a voodoo couple, Le Voodoo Sans. I got a, a talking duck, cigar smoking duck character. How are the ducks? You know, influence. So I'm going to keep doing more different comics, but I definitely have a whole like library of maybe ten volumes. I hope, you know, given time and health, to do. You have a saga in mind. Well, yes. You know where it ends. Yes, I know where it ends. I know the middle points, the high points. It's just filling in all the little blanks. But there's That's plenty true. more I'll work though in our future. That's terrific. Well, thank you for this conversation. It's great to reconnect, and uh, yes. I won't make it another ten years. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you again sooner. And Derek, <laughs> I will not forget you or this interview here in this venue because okay. I did not remember the silicon one from a decade ago. Thank you. Thank you, Javier. Uh, it was a great conversation, and and we've continued the conversation a little bit on Facebook. And uh, really, really great guy. And uh, so it's time. Without further ado. To get into the gift guide, I do want to call out and that uh, Saturday. Oh, what is that day? Uh, what is the date of uh, Saturday this weekend, right after Thanksgiving? Is Small Business Saturday? We have, of course, Thanksgiving Thursday. We have Black Friday, which somehow begins on the evening of of Thanksgiving, which is weird. So Thursday, um, Bloodthirsty Thursday, and uh, <laughs> and then Black Friday. And Small Business Saturday. And I think that's more likely where I'm going to choose. Last weekend was lo- Local Comic Shop Day. Did you get out to any? I don't local remember comic- if I did. I, I don't think so. I mean, it's always weird for me because, because and, and you may be in the same zone of, well, we are always at the comic shop anyway. So yeah. to go out for a special day, you know. Uh, I, I, is- start my, I start my Christmas shopping like in September. So Sure. Yeah, I do as well, but but I know you know many people don't, and and I also know that you know there's always this last minute thing. I start my shopping in September, but when I go into a local shop and find something cool, so I I, I have to admit, you know, we did a a, a screening of uh, Flesh Gordon at the Comic Bug. It's one of the stores I'm going to call out for Small Business Saturday on Saturday night, and it's the first time I think in uh, you know this year at least that. Just because I was so flustered getting other other things going, I really did not stop and, and take a look and and pick anything up from the comic bug. So I, I feel the next time I go down, I must buy something. Because I don't know, I've gotten into this zone of like, if I go into a new shop, I, I should, I know I'll find something I want. Oh, it's, for me, it's like, it's bad luck if I go into a new shop and I don't find <laughs> something. So uh, it's uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to say that here, you know, the, that uh, I want to call out. And we are a California-based podcast, and we're both lo- uh, between Los Angeles and the Silicon Valley. So I want to call out some of those places that you might want to go. You know, as I mentioned up top, when you say when something we talk about, if you can't find it at your local brick and mortar store, I really want to encourage you to go out to these 
locally owned small, and we say small business, they might not be a physically small shop. Because I got to say, the Comic Bug uh, in Manhattan Beach got this great, got the store right next door to be their game shop. And so they actually just have a sliding glass door in between the two shops. And it's like oh, very nice. cool. So, so you can have the game game room, and uh, and then he's got in the back what is called the Latvian Lounge. So he's got this. It's not. <laughs> wouldn't call it necessarily a, a theater, but the way the 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 store was laid out, there's a little dip, and he's got a TV back there, and they do stand up nights, and and they uh, went early uh, on Saturday afternoon, and they had a. a several creators uh the guy one of the guys who had been the producer on the x-men animated series um a storyboard artist uh who's working on godzilla versus king kong and uh john terman who had written the first draft of the incredible hulk back in the day of the of the hulk movie from universal way back when uh and now works on macgyver um you know, they they were all there just talking memories of Stan Lee. So two hours, uh, you know, an audience can sit in the back. And I, as I've said many times, when you find the, the small business, the bookstore, the comic book store that you love, I think what makes the what makes those places magical is the community and the building of. You know, they they are part of the community. They're there. I know that's part of why at Comic Con the the Eisner Awards they give out the Spirit of Retail Award, and, and that is it's not just about oh it's a cool looking shop. It's about is there a vibe there? Do people enjoy being there and staying there? And are there other events besides just give us all your money? And so I'm going to call out, you know, up in, I know in Santa Clara and San Jose, uh, of course we have elusive comics and games where the podcast started hijinks comics and Willow Glen. Um, I was going back, going back up. I mean, I'll jump around the state here, earth two comics and Sherman Oaks, the comic bug in Manhattan beach. Am I right? Cargo cult. Because they're, uh, you know, that's another one of those stores. I only have seen their tables at conventions. He's up in Berkeley, isn't he? I believe Dave just does a mail order thing. I don't know if he has a. Oh, store he doesn't there. have a brick and mortar. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I've never been there. I thought he told me he did have, uh, did have a book, but uh, have a store, but may, maybe not. But uh, okay, it's a small mail order. Cargo Cult Books, Game Castle. Is that um, that's by the airport now, right? The San Jose Airport. There are multiple Game Castles. There, there's they're in Fremont. They're in Santa Clara near on Coleman near the airport, and the biggest okay. one is up in Mountain View, in the San oh, I didn't know shopping on center. Yeah, and I will still consider these places small business. You know, because there's only there's three. Okay, that's multiple. That's great. I would say even locally in the Silicon Valley, Books Incorporated still fewer than seven stores, right? Yep. Um, there's Mountain View, there's Campbell. They had Santa Clara for a while, but I think that one shut down. Um, so they're around, you know, Books Incorporated. Uh, I was just down in this great, and I'd say the next, if you and, and your lovely bride go to San Diego, Mysterious Galaxy is a store you're going to have to stop in at science fiction, fantasy, uh, mystery as well. They have thrown that in. But but we got to do a signing there last week, and it was just uh, what a cool shop and uh, cool employees and, again, a really fantastic sense of community and really entrenched in their community. So uh, I'm all for their Mysterious Galaxy. Of course, I've fallen in love with, uh, with Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank, 
uh, you can just walk down that street and so many small businesses and so many great gift ideas. But I will call out Dark Delicacies, which just hosted Jason Williams and myself yesterday. Wait, it's Monday night, right? So, yeah, that was just yesterday. Yes, it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I've lost track of days. Uh, anyway, it was just yesterday. Um, and uh, Dark Delicacies, it's this great horror-themed bookshop. But they, but it's not just books. They've got toys. They've got clothing. Uh, they've got accessories. And there is a little toy section for kids, coloring books. And so, if you, you know, if your kids get, you know, likes the Halloween all year round, and what I really appreciate about their kids section is that it is really alcoved away. You do not have to, a, a, a kid, if like the, the more overt movie monster imagery still scares your kid, but they like skeletons and witches and kids' versions of that, they don't have to walk. You know, that's right in the front of the store. They don't have to go back. You can just, you know, walk up and, and, and ring out. And I, and I think that's a, it's a great layout and a really, really cool store. And uh, yeah, I'm looking at pictures of it online. It's really, really quite cool. They've got, I mean, have you been to Dark Delicacies? I've never have been you, there. Okay, well, okay. So I'm I, I'm giving you a field trip assignment here because yeah. I realized that there one Dark Delicacies is a store you need to go to, but there's there's oh three others on the next three on this list for me. Blast from the Past, which is on Magnolia. It's a it says they sell graphic novels, but not. It doesn't seem like there's much in the way of new comics. But it's a huge building, and they call it, so they're a comic book, they call themselves a comic book store and toy museum, ah. and uh, which, as far as I can tell, all the toys are for sale. It's just they're just set up like a museum. That's I, my you, kind of museum. You would love this store, and it's about three blocks away from Dark Dark. I yeah, you could go to Magnolia Boulevard, and I recommend because oh I'm my taking God. my. If you, if, if you go into Black, Blast from the Past and Google Maps and you go into the store, you can actually walk around the store in their virtual, uh, the same way like you do road on roads, mm -hmm. you can walk around their store. I'm walking, well, then I recommend I'm people do the that. Aisles <laughs> Rick, the we're still recording. We're still recording, so you need to come back to me. Come back to me, Rick. <laughs> the, the, the checkerboard, the checkerboard floor is drawing me further and further back. There's a red Rick, room, and, I'm, like a, and a little this is man, like an outer limits episode. A strange little man like, from another place. No, no, Rick, Rick. <laughs> uh, you just had a preview no, really cool. of Jordan Peele's new Twilight Zone uh, right there. Anyway, uh, and down the street from that, full of of, of uh, painted plates. <laughs> Oh, I know, Rick. I've been there. I've been sucked in to the actual place. I've felt it. It's you know, I've smelt it. It's delicious. Uh, and and further down that street is Halloween Town, which is all horror themed. Uh, up front is you know action figures from Twilight Zone and the monsters and I don't know. If there's clothing items, and then in the back there are there's art as well, and it's some beautiful. You know, some beautiful stuff there. So I, and Halloween Town actually has three stores. Uh, one is collectibles, one is costumes for children, and one is costumes for adults. But really, the only one you need to go to right now, because, you know, it's, it's, it's late November, is the one that is the collectible store. And it has a one of the hitchhiking ghosts life-size out front to guide you to the correct one from the Haunted Mansion. And then here's the one you have that you, I, I really need your evaluation because I think it's more your kind of place than mine uh, is Emerald Knights, 
but also in Burbank, it's a, it's a, not on Magnolia, but it, it's around there. Is uh, it's a comic book store, but really it's more a gaming place. Yeah, and awesome. so I want I want your opinion. You know, the next time you come down to LA, as to because I think you're a better evaluator of of what my suspicion is. It's a fantastic gaming place, gaming store, yeah. but. I don't know because I'm a terrible gamer. Mike Wellman and I at the comic bug and I were talking about that Saturday night. And I said, I, he goes, do you, yeah. I said, I love your game shop. And he goes, Oh, do you game? And I said, not well. He goes, me neither, but it was the right thing to do. <laughs> so, you know, no, was, I, I, I like the layout of the store because it's got one of my favorite things, which is a, uh, an upper layer, an upper level, uh, yes. balcony that runs around the store, which is kind of like, Endgame in Berkeley, but Endgame is going out of business, unfortunately. Um, oh, yeah. But this this looks really well, cool. and this and this out. is why finding your community and supporting your small business. If you yep. like these kinds of stores, and I'm not putting on you, Berkeley's a you know it's a hard drive from San Jose okay. uh, on a weekend. Totally get that. So, oh, and we should mention that as well. I'm sorry, another one up in Newark, the new shop, which you just got to. I have not yet gotten to go to Green Machine Green Comics. Machine. The, you know, so. Steve Mix, uh, friend of the podcast, great, great writer, uh, opened a opened a comic book store, and I think it's doing well. I have not had a chance to get up there because I've been you in see LA. Steve, most of Steve or Yogi, tell them to give you a sticker because Rick said they give you a sticker. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. What does the sticker say, Rick? Green Machine Comics. Oh, okay, okay. Tank. okay, good. Okay, I just want to make sure. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, is it, you know, is just asking for a gold star. I don't know. All right. So let's get a little bit more specifically, you know, I'm, that's so that you find these shops, find your local place, and 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 support them, and, and on Saturday and beyond. But you know, find your community. I also always say for uh, for our gift guide, you know, that this is the time to really help out with nonprofits, and and this is a year where I know, and every year it feels like this. You know, there are so many, there's so much need. And and obviously with natural disasters and so forth, you want to give there as well. But there are, and there are nonprofits that serve, I think, very vital functions for if you are a fan of the comic book industry, if you are a fan of the genre, and helping to give back there. Uh, the two that I I always call out for the gift guide is the Hero Initiative, which you know in the last week. Obviously, in our last episode, we talked about the loss of Stan Lee, a creator in his 90s who did do all right, you know, and more so then. You know, he, he was, you know, he was financially well off, although obviously there were still very, there were legal issues going on. And I don't know to what, to what extent, but the Hero Initiative was involved in helping that. And the Hero Initiative is the nonprofit set up to help uh, older creators with fi- their finances, with their medical needs, and uh, and sometimes, you know, unfortunately, they need to have help with with legal, and so the Hero Initiative is there for that, and so it's it's one of my uh, absolute favorite nonprofits, along with I still say the Audacity Theater Project, and uh, the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, which helps uh, support issues of free speech which I'm not going to be hysterical and say that that's necessarily under attack uh, in the country right now, but I do consider free speech to be very important and very much uh, an American value. And the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund uh, helps creators 
when they get banned from libraries or, or, or stores. Uh, and the thing about free speech is I might not even like the creator's work, but they have the right to say that. I think that, you know, to do what they, they are doing in terms of books. And so CBLDF helps with that and, and beyond. So those are our, some of my favorites there. So, and of course, I've got to, you know, this is my ad. If we're going to talk books first, I do have to say that, of course, through Amazon, you can still pick up copies of I Was Flesh Gordon by Jason Williams and Derek McCaw. Or, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a with. Jason Williams with Derek McCaw. And we just finished our, our book tour, and uh, it occurred to me, we sold out at Dark Delicacies, which was, was fantastic. But that means now I can't sell anybody any copies because I don't have any. Uh, so Amazon is where you can go there, and that's a plug. You don't have to buy it, but, you know, People are enjoying that book. So let's go to actual gift gift guide things here. Do you want to alternate books? Does that make sense, Rick? Yeah, sure. We've, we've both got three, and then we've got three other items. We could just go one and then the other. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, Rick, hey, you first. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you but do. Go ahead. I so I'm going to start <laughs> off with, uh, with um, – a collection that I, when I saw this on the on the uh, stand, I said I'm not going to buy the first issue because I know I'm going to buy the trade. I was very happy that I bought the trade. Um, it is a Batman story, and it is a Batman story that it's a kind of an it's an Elseworld style story. But I haven't run across a Batman story in a long time that goes this deep into the whole of the myth mythos, the history, um, and alternate histories and explanations and stuff. And that's Batman White Knight written and written and drawn by Sean Murphy, mm -hmm. um, which starts with a really brutal sequence with Batman taking down the Joker and uh, through actions, Joker reforms and is uh, back to being Jack Napier and teams back up with Harley Quinn to supposedly uh, redeem Gotham City to accept the the guilt that he shares with the Batman for making uh, Gotham City a not so great place to be. Um, it's it's a it's a gr great story from the standpoint of uh, the the plotting, the characters that they bring in, twists that you never expected to happen before, um, references to kind of little oddities that are are right out of the standard mythos. There's nothing here that aside from the actual events of the story, everything that's referenced all the characters are things that are, are canon or at least current canon in Batman. So um, I recommend highly this, this, this trade uh, to give to somebody who likes Batman, but might be looking for something they've never seen before. And this definitely fills that bill. I'm, I'm agreeing with you from, uh, I too was waiting I bought the first issue, really enjoyed it, and said, nope, this is one of those again. I'm going to get the trade. So my question for you is that is that under the black label? Because they were talking about giving it a black label treatment. I don't remember. I okay. let me, I can... Uh, I don't think that matters to the casual listener or the casual recipient it of is, this gift. It is, it is DC black label. Okay, yeah. Um, because that, because I think that's what they're going to be doing now. Like All Star Superman is going to be re, going to be re released as a black label book. Watchmen's going to be re categorized as black label. I think I think and maybe you know and that it, it is overdue that if you have DC black label on the book, 
it is something a little more sophisticated, shall we say? Yeah, I would uh, say that it, I would say it, it's on two parts. It's it's a it's a much more violent story with mm-hmm. a lot more blood than the average Batman story. Although that's getting harder and harder to say. Um, but it's True. also it was kind of when when one of the epi- one of the issues came out, it was a little bit of a, a fanish. Uh, high point that this showed a scene with the Joker and Harley in bed and their postures and stuff for, you know, it's PG 13 nudity, you know, but the fact that they're in bed, you know, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, look, one of them is forever in bed and brave and the bold. Right. So, you know, I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I I think what I mean is black label is for some, uh, for fans, we all, we already know we're going to buy regardless, you know, of what they slap on as an imprint. But by creating a black label imprint, that means maybe someone who's more casual can go and they'll start, oh, black label is Watchmen. Okay, you know, they pick up a copy of Watchmen because everybody's heard of Watchmen and then go, oh, you know, all right, what else is on the black label? And that, you know, it's a way to to discern. It's not necessarily, it's not for kids, you know, but, and it's not going to be like exploitative. It's just going to be kind of more mature and easier because clearly the label for mature audiences doesn't work but maybe they've created an imprint that says that you know it, it's it, more people will find their way to the books that they'll enjoy so that's good my uh my first book recommendation i just discovered this by the way at mysterious galaxy i'm going to call out stores because as you said and i just said it's like bad luck to walk out of a store without buying something huh. and, and i'm grateful that my son does not listen to the podcast for the first time i'm grateful because then he won't know that i bought this for him for christmas uh, and that is that uh there, uh, I bought this book called Garrison Girl. It is an Attack on Titan novel, oh. and I had no idea. So this is for your team, you know. It's a why I guess you'd say a YA novel set in the universe of Attack on Titan, which the kids are reading up. It's from Quirk Books, and it's uh, written by Rachel Aaron, who has uh, done some novels, uh, The Legend of Eli Monpress. Uh, nice Dragons finished last, which I love that title. So I may, I may look further for that. But anyway, I, I just saw this that's, on the shelf. That's a series, by the way, the the Dragons. Yeah, well, this is, this, yeah, okay. Uh, this is 14 fantasy and science fiction novels and something called the Heart Strikers series and the Paradox Trilogy. So I, I can't speak for, uh, you know, for Rachel Aaron as I've never read anything by her. But I, I saw this and went, oh, my gosh, my, my son and, and, and so many of his friends just are so into Attack on Titan that the fact that a novel existed uh, was terrific, you know, because they're on the edge of their seats waiting. I guess the new season was dropped, but now they've, they've watched all of that, and now they're waiting for the next one. And so there is this novel to fill the gap and while they're waiting for the next season of, of Attack on Titan to come out and the next monster edition is what how my my son is reading the manga so uh-huh. uh it's just cool i had no idea it was existed and so i'm going to put this out there if you've got a team who is into anime and manga here's a novel and uh you know it, it's fun stuff so garrison girl by rachel aaron what's next on your list so the next on mine is can you go wrong with a robert kirkman book can you really I can't think of one that's not been satisfying. No, I don't think is, so. This one uh, with uh, De Felici is the art uh, Oblivion Song, Volume 1. Um, and I recommended this book from the word go 
uh, when it came out. I think you recently picked up the trade, right? You know what's funny is that was on my list, and then I thought about I, I put put my next item on instead. So when you just said Oblivion Song, I'm like, I'm staring at it. It's on the floor right now. <laughs> I'm like, no, you took mine. Oh wait, no, I took it off my list. So good, yes, yes, yeah, I did. I, I so, bought that at Mysterious Galaxy as well. Yeah, this is this is a. Um, a story about uh, the basis of it is 300,000 people souls were lost in Philadelphia uh, into an alternate dimension, uh, alternate uh, phased reality, whatever you want to call it. And initially the government was going into this other place to rescue them, but they've given up over the years. So um, we, we find ourselves watching the main character who hasn't, and to them, to a lot of people's dismay, he continues to make trips to try and rescue people from uh, oblivion. Um, and we're, he's a very driven individual, and we're not sure why he's continuing to do this, what's driving him. Um, but man, this is, this is just, it's, it's good science fiction, it's good characterization, it's good pacing story. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great book. Yeah, excellent. Then, because uh, I was obviously in agreement, 100%. Then I would say the my next one is one we interviewed uh, the create the creator, the slash adapter of this, because I just think it's a beautiful book, and we'll get, we'll get people in who are not necessarily comic book readers. If you're looking for that, the hardcover from Titan Books of the Beatles, Yellow Submarine, adapted by uh, Bill. Yeah. And I, it's a gorgeous book. And they have, which I did not buy, they have like a deluxe box set that includes the vinyls of the submarine and the animated Beatles. Oh, nice. So uh, there's a so there's a beautiful gift set of it as well. I you know just buying the hardcover is is great enough. You know it, it really is. A, it's a wonderful adaptation of of a film that people love. And it's just beautifully done. And so I thought, you know, it is when you think about like what you as a gift guide, that it, it just would make a great gift for the Beatles fan in your life and who isn't uh, that may not think about uh, graphic novels, but they'd really appreciate this. So the Beatles Yellow Submarine from Titan Books. Next on your list. So the next time I list, uh, one thing I do every year, I have a number of people, a number of friends who don't live near me. They, I, I travel a bit and I, I have friends in the Midwest and the East and the South. And I have a group of them that I always send the same book to, uh, one that I'm pretty sure that none of them have read and, and something that will arrive for them on Christmas day. So I, I, I use Amazon's, um, kindle service to send out books like christmas eve bang they're in their they're in their stocking for their christmas morning and this year i'm actually sending graphic novels because we had a discussion about the new uh game inverse stuff that's happening in dc mm -hmm. right now yeah and so it sent me back to looking for the original books of magic which I hadn't read in a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I found that there are four volumes of the Books of Magic. Uh, and again, this is Neil Gaiman and John Bolton. John Bolton doing the art. Gaiman, of course. Doing no, the, for, for one issue. Each issue is a different artist. Oh, is it? Okay, so the first, yeah. the first volume is Bolton. Yes. Um, 
Right. So, uh, but each one is $3. So for $12, you can send all four volumes of book, books of magic to a friend. And, you know, this is, this is the story of Tim who meets all of the, uh, DC. Well, as far as I can tell, all of the DC, uh, magic and, uh, spirit. All that, all that people. existed in 91. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> in 1991. And Tim Hunter. Yes. Yeah. To prepare him for the decision as to whether or not he wants to become part of the magic universe. Um, and a great story, a great price. And I highly recommend that if you have people that you, you, um, want to send something to, it's, it's not a bad idea. If you know that they have a computer or an iPad that they can, they can read this on. Um, this is a, this is a nice, uh, little package that you can put together for yourself and deliver it on Christmas day for them. And it's a magic and a cost-effective way, because I, I think that DC has let the hardcover, the hard copy of it, lapse. It's out of print. So yeah, I looked this up on Amazon, and and you know they sell used copies, but they're ridiculously expensive. So yeah, they're I, all coming from from third party. Right, people. right, right, right. So so anyway, uh, my next recommendation is a book that I am putting on my own list, I guess, for myself because. I think we've talked about this is getting adapted into a film. And, and again, you, to throw current events into this, that, you know, over the weekend, Bill Maher uh, posted a, a silly little blog about how uh, the death of Stan Lee that was uh, that he, that he just didn't understand all the, all the grief, you know, that he liked comic books too, but he's grown up and he put those things be, behind him. And, so many comics creators uh, are outraged and so forth that, you know, Bill Maher made a provocative statement as Bill Maher does uh, love him or hate him. I don't care. He, he, he was trolling just as much as anybody else was trying to get hits, trying to get attention. He got it. But because he was characterizing comics as a childlike thing and a silly fantasy and come on, grow up and, and, and do, uh, do adult things. Uh, an email came past my desk this morning where I went, this is perfect. Uh, so my recommendation is a book called Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan, which is being adapted into a live action film because of one of the movements, why this was called, caught my attention was one of the movements this weekend from several creators has been, well, start inundating Bill Maher with, Examples of adult graphic novels, why they're tackling serious subjects, why it should be treated as a, as a, as the art form we know it is. But this is kind of a different, a different thing. But, uh, but you know, the radio show, uh, of, for Superman back in the forties, uh, it's, it's true story from the summer of 1946 and being adapted into a film. It's, uh, there was, uh, a, a, an undercover, a law enforcement agent who infiltrated the Klan and they started releasing in code and so and talking about the Klan under when it had a different name. Uh, and I looked that up earlier. An episode called "The Klan of the Fiery Cross." So the it was uh, this writer and activist, not an undercover agent, Stetson Kennedy, infiltrated the Ku Klux Klan and then. Uh, put the information he'd learned into the radio show. 
So basically what turned public opinion against the Klan, which was kind of secretive and sort of written off as sort of a myth, was the Superman radio show. So uh, Superman vs. Ku Klux Klan, the subtitle is the true story of how the iconic superhero battled the men of hate, and the author is Rick Bowers. And so uh, it's being turned into a film. They just announced that uh, the producer of Castlevania on Netflix uh, has joined to be a producer. And so I thought this, oh, my gosh, I need to read (laughs) this book. And so I thought, well, a lot of people want to. And just to remind you that, you know, it's not that it's connected to Stan Lee because he didn't write Superman. But just to remind people that the symbols, these ideas that are out there to get a little Grant Morrison-y of – of these heroes and what they stand for actually can occasionally be used for real world, real life good. And in a time where the Klan seems rather emboldened, they're still small, but emboldened in this country, to remind that they were beaten back through by Superman once and we can do it again. So um, I'm, I want to put that under on everybody's list this year. How about that's great and timely. Yeah. So how about other items? I say I'm throwing it out as as, as an other items like this is our grab bag because I was like ah, I don't want to look for three toys. I don't want to look for three DVDs because people don't, you know, they're streaming so much. And I wanted to stay kind of solid. So what are some of the items? That, what's the first item on your, I, lack of a better term, on the grab bag? Well, mine are all about uh, games because I believe in games. I believe games are great. Social I believe that gaming is the future. I do, I do, I do. Okay, sorry, that's under- the past and the right. future. And, yeah. and in fact, uh, the first game I have to talk about is uh, called Cosmic Encounter. And this is that's old the, recently released, the recently released 42nd anniversary edition of this game. You have just named so, one of the very few games. I actually played Cosmic Encounter in high school. I played it in college a lot. And they, they they just came out, again, 42, you know, Douglas Adams, Hitchhiker's Guide. Uh, but it's been 42 years since the, the book was, the, the game was originally uh, marketed. And I remember seeing it first advertised in Science Fiction Digest magazines, like uh, Fantastic and Sci-Fi and Fantasy and Asimov's and stuff. But um, it's it won an Orange, Origins Award. And it's been published by, um, it was originally published by Eon Press. Avalon Hill has published it. Mayfair Games came out with two different editions. And it's currently in its second edition by Fantasy Flight, which the Fantasy Flight is definitely the the highest quality, most, um, most playable uh, set. Originally it came out with, there were additional nine expansions um, to it. And that's been kind of remodeled into six expansions for the current game. You don't need any of them in a base game. You can have a great time playing. The basically, you start off with five plan five planets of your own, and you pick a role, or you draw, or you're assigned an alien role. And the alien role has an alien power that gives you some way to break the standard rules. And you use this to negotiate and or fight your way to establish five bases on other people's worlds. Um, the, it's a game that it's one of those games that every time you it's your turn, you are going to have a blast 
trying to mess with everyone else. And it's one of those, because of that, it is one of those games where it is almost as much fun to lose as it is to win. It's a, it's a, it's a great game. And like I said, we played the heck out of this when we were in, we were in college. I'm, I'm glad to hear you played it before because I want to get together a game group to play uh, this. I was thinking about uh, a well, number of our friends. I, might, I remember playing on. that with my friend Philip Klein and I, I think Mike Wilkinson. It might have even, I, I'll say that it may have been middle school. But I know we got together and, and, and played it. And, uh, you know, I have fond memories of the game. Uh, so, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that. You know, I thought I Cosmic <laughs> Encounter, 42nd Anniversary Edition. And uh, so mine, uh, my talk about this is the real, you know, this is an under the tree gift. Uh, Batman, the complete animated series, a deluxe limited edition, Blu-ray and digital version, um, which they had to up their production. They were originally going to be 5,000 copies. They went up to 7,500 because the demand was so great. Um, And this is a box set that uh, you'll be happy to note Rick includes Batman Mask of the Phantasm and I was going to ask that I yeah. knew you would that's why I checked and Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero which actually is a movie I have not seen so it's interesting but the box set comes with uh, lenticular collector cards of animation artwork it's got every incarnation of the series of Batman not Batman Beyond but of of Batman, uh, it was like the Adventures of Batman and Robin. It came back as uh, it's got uh, yeah. um, so 109 episodes. Uh, this is 35 over 35 hours of crime fighting, uh, a bunch of behind the scenes featurettes, and it also is boxed with three mini pop finals of Batman, Harley, wow. and the Joker. So this is a sweet, sweet uh, Blu-ray set. Uh, as a gift, that is, like, that... this is like buying the Bond set, you know, because we're talking, this animated series, younger listeners might not realize, you know, it was the game changer. You know, this yeah. this really was. It suddenly became, you know, the, it's the funny thing. I, my, this is a fond memory of my grandparents and the patience they had with their grandson after he was out of college, going to visit them and Fox showed uh, started showing batman the animated series in prime time and on a sunday night you just remember my grandfather just patiently like really you're like 24 why are we watching <laughs> batman but he watched you know <laughs> yeah so, um this is just a, such a terrific series and of course it, it, you know it's the series that you know revived in many ways mark hamill's career making him the, the oh, yeah. first appearance of the Joker. Uh, so uh, we owe this a, terrific, a yeah. lot, not just for animation and, and depth of storytelling and maturing animation, what animation could do in America. I don't think, you know, I think Europe and, and Japan, they certainly were moving forward and it was seen as more, again, you could be a lot more mature there. Uh, but this is the series that really, kind of, I just mentioned, it was a Castlevania uh, on Netflix. Shows like Castlevania wouldn't exist if it weren't for things like if it wasn't for Batman the Animated Series. So I had so many cassettes uh, cassettes of that uh, show recorded uh, to watch over and over again, and I I think that it should be credited with evolving and changing a lot of the characterizations that had just gotten stale mm-hmm. um, in the series. Uh, I'm 
the you mentioned the I didn't particularly like the the uh, Mr. Freeze movie, but Mr. Freeze in the series was given really a really a a um, a wonderful solidly cold and Michael and Ansara the, yeah was yeah. was Mr. Freeze. Yeah. Um, and and, and that's where we got Harley Quinn. I was just about to say, if you're a Harley Quinn fan, she's not from the comics. She's in the comics now, but and it's funny because you know here too we were talking about Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan. Without the Superman radio show, you wouldn't have Jimmy Olsen. But without Batman the Animated Series, you wouldn't have Harley Quinn. And so uh, right. this is, uh, which I, I know that the, the weird trivia. You know, she was voiced by Arlene Sorkin. And yep. she was created, you know, where she actually appeared first. You're going to tell me I'm going to remember. I don't remember right now. General yeah. Hospital. Paul Dini was friends with Arlene Sorkin, and she appeared in a dream sequence in an outfit pretty much like Harley Quinn on General uh, Hospital doing that voice. And he just lifted that in and put it in, <laughs> gave it the name Harley Quinn. And put her in Batman the Animated Series, so yeah, it just uh, I mean, just everything about that the the art style is is so fresh and amazing, and it's so retro and and modern at the same time. It's just an astonishing series. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what's next on your on your list? So, the next on my list is a a a game to give to somebody who likes puzzles. And when you and when you say that you're going, oh puzzles, eh, puzzles, you know yeah. Sudoku yeah. or whatever. These are these are amazing puzzles. The book is called Journal Twenty Nine. It's an interactive book game by Dimitris Chasapikis. I'm not going to try and make it any less awkward to say than that. I'm not um, saying. Of course, we'll, we'll have the links. But it's uh, it's a it's a book that is a series of puzzles and you'll solve like five at a time. And then there'll be a sixth one where the answers to the first five will help you solve the sixth. Um, and that's not all that unusual, but the, I highly recommend, if this is at all interesting to you, go and look at the, on Amazon, you can, you can look inside this book and it shows you two or three of the puzzles that you can then kind of look at and work out. Um, it is, it is a, at its heart, it's a paper book that you might work on the pages in pencil, although you don't have to, you could have a notepad or whatever. And then you use your phone to check if the answer you got is correct. There's also, it's interactive. Um, if you're having, hey. yeah, it's, it's totally interactive. And there's a forum where there are multiple levels of clues that you can go to and and people or you can ask questions on the forum about about puzzles and stuff because it's not it's you really do get an incredible sense of satisfaction in solving these um I found out about it because they did a kickstarter for the second volume um and I realized that the I I backed that cuz it just looks so good and then I went and bought the first volume and it's a, it's a truly uh, new and innovative style of puzzles and an experience that that will give you literally days of of uh, of fun and satisfaction to solving a lot of these uh, a lot of these tricky and interesting puzzles. 
Cool. Uh, I'm going to put next on my list an item that I have talked about uh, post-Comic-Con this year from ThinkGeek. It is my one item that is directly from uh, ThinkGeek, which is their convention version of the Bag of Holding, which is a great uh, satchel, basically, uh, with room for an iPad. And uh, I've got a review somewhere on on Fanboy Planet on the website of it. But uh, I'm going to go back to Blast from the Past. It was literally there that it occurred to me. They've got... uh, the, the, there's a, a big outside swath of, of the female side of Velcro, and I and, and it came with patches, which I assumed were the idea was you would go and you would go buy a Think Geek booth at whatever convention you were going to, and pick up stuff. But then uh, the person of Blast from the Past said, "Oh, you have the the bag of holding," and she she said, "Well, we've got all these patches," and. I, and realize, oh, people are actually, of course, making their own patches. I'm a terrible maker. I am not a crafter. It did not occur to me that I could make my own. Uh, but uh, uh, I did buy a set of patches last week at Disneyland uh, so that I could put Velcro on and put them on my bag of holding. So it's not just being able to express myself and my personality, but they, they, and they do have an extra strap on it so you can put pins, uh, collectible pins that you get from conventions and other places, and of course, if you're if you're at Disneyland and so forth, I think it's getting more and more uh, beyond Disneyland, uh, beyond amusement parks. So people are really getting into being pin collectors. Um, you know, they've got a place you can display that as you're going through your local convention. But I take this thing everywhere because it's not as big as the other bag of holding, which I love as well. But that's good for travel. This is like you know, hey, I go down Magnolia, Magnolia Boulevard, or I go to a mall, or whatever. Uh, you know, I carry that bag because it's just enough to. Oh, it also helps me from keeps me from buying too many books if I walk into a bookstore. But uh, you know, because I know I can, even though it's a bag of holding, it's not limitless. But you know, I can carry I can carry safely you know four or five instead of ten or fifteen. So I highly recommend the ThinkGeek Convention Edition of the Bag of Holding. What's next on yours? Well, the last thing on my my list comes from a company that I really totally respect this this company uh, from the way that they've treated their brands and the products they've come out with, and that's Cryptozoic, Cryptozoic Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who does, they do a lot of games now. They didn't start off doing a lot of games, um, but they do trading cards and collectibles. They've got a line of vinyl cards. They've got the... Um, They've got uh, Cerebus is one of their brands, uh, Ghostbusters, Outlanders, Rick and Morty, The Walking Dead. Um, but the this this is they also have DC as one of their brands because they've been doing a deck building game uh, for a number of years, the DC Comics deck building game. Uh, that typically they are large boxes of a lot of cards and they'll they're, they're themed typically like heroes or villains or um teen titans or whatever mm-hmm. um and they're fairly expensive uh if you're not really sure that you want to get into that type of game it's a little bit uh cost prohibitive to to do it but the, smartly they have done um some smaller deck building games i think you and i may have played the batman one didn't we no or didn't that wasn't me no okay okay i get so um pardon i get that a lot though okay um but the one i'm recommending 
is they've they've put together a a series called Rivals. So the Batman one was Batman and the Joker, um, but they just came out with a new Rivals, which is Green Lantern versus Sinestro. So in a relatively small expense package, you can get a uh, an, a two player game version of their larger deck building game. And these the way they've done these rival games are very well balanced, very nicely put together. You really get the feeling like you're playing Green Lantern or you're playing Sinestro. And who you know those are those are two core rivalries uh, from from DC Comics. Uh, so I, I highly recommend uh, the DC Comics deck building game Rivals Green Lantern versus Sinestro. I like it, uh, and I think I agree with you. I, I have. Though I had not played it with you. I played deck building games, and I want to say, just for anybody listening who's casual, it's not like a collectible card game. The deck building game, everything you need comes in that set. I'm with yeah. you, though, that I've looked at those Cryptozoic games and thought, I love, you know, I love the art, I love those characters, I think they'd be fun. They're big and they're expensive, and I get a little leery of because I've got many boxes of games that I thought my son and I would play, and we don't. And so something smaller that'd be fun for like, you know, a weekend without being a huge investment. Although I, I, I grant you, we do play a lot of exploding kittens, but uh, still, we <laughs> want. <laughs> I'm gonna th- I'm gonna throw a toy in because I, I, you and I were talking about the Aquaman trailer which dropped today, and this from the moment I sent my son photos of Mattel's action figures for Aquaman from uh, Comic-Con, because they had a beautiful display. Uh, my son has said, you know, go ahead, Dad. I know that you've waited your whole life for cool, cool Aquaman <laughs> toys. <laughs> I, he knows. Uh, the, fa- the son has become the father. <laughs> uh, I've resisted. I, no, I've gone, but I, I gave in this week. So, uh, and bought a little Jason Momoa, but I'm sure I'm going to be buying more. And I'm, I'm trying not to buy a whole bunch because I want to leave it open for like, Hey, my son might buy me one for Christmas because he knows I want one. But what I've been really impressed, you know, I didn't like, uh, and I can't remember what Marvel called it. And then DC was doing exactly the same figures. Titan, Titan figures was, they were like 10 inch. And I thought I bought some for, for my son and, and they were not particularly articulated. They're at the shoulders and the, and the legs, so you have some movement, but it's like old toy soldiers, kind of wooden toy soldiers thing. But DC or Mattel has integrated with now a line with with Aquaman, and then some DC legends uh, that they're ca- that they're calling True Move. And I don't know if that's like a trademarked uh, innovation on an action figure, but I, I noticed it with uh, Justice League action about a Plastic Man figure that they are much more articulate, articulated not articulate, they're articulated, and uh, very much. Some of the best-spoken figures. That oh, Jason Momoa, <laughs> his vocabulary is amazing. Uh, but I think there may be a talking Aquaman figure, but uh, I bought the little, you know, a little six-inch because I just wanted to have them around on the bookshelf. But but uh, that these true move action figures, it's like $10, which for an action, for a toy now, I guess that's pretty reasonable, you know. Um, and... And if I were a kid, there's so much articulation, and they come with accessories. And you know, the the Quindent and and Ocean Master has has a weapon as well. Like this has got some amazing play value. So I'm going to say the daring thing of, like, if you've got a kid, 
Uh, I'm recommending something for kids. Uh, imagine that, a fanboy planet, uh, a toy that kids can play with. And so, I, you know, I, again, with the Aquaman trailer, which is up on fanboy planet right now, every one of those trailers that they've released have just gone, this is so much crazier and wilder and more wonderful than I could have imagined as a kid. Uh, that this movie looks so good. Please, do, you know, be better than than uh, <laughs> Wizarding World. Uh, it would be better than Batman v Superman. I know it is. It's, it's, it's so much brighter in color. It's so just fantastic, and it's using all the creations of both Peter David and and Jeff Johns had kind of added to it, and sh- I think Sean McLaughlin. And I'm trying to think of other creators that were involved. Uh, Tad Williams had done some sort and sort. I mean, it just has those seven different kingdoms, all the, all the variety of political opposition in Atlantis. And uh, the trailer just showed Volko. I have not seen the Volko action figure, but to, but I'm dying now to say, are you kidding me? I can buy a little Willem Dafoe? That's amazing. Hmm. But uh, I, I, I recommend, you know, give a kid Jason Momoa. And they've got color changing uh, you know, with with you can put them in water and the and it changes into the classic colors of the of the, of the outfit, and uh, you know, so I, I that's what I'm going to recommend is it, it, buy an actual toy for an actual child this this holiday season, and uh, I'm doubling down on Aquaman. Maybe you've got something else, but you know, there's there's a lot going out with the DC multiverse. Marvel has some fantastic figures, but I'm focused on Aquaman. So there it is. Bring Jason Momoa home your home yep uh, I, i'm sure a lot I, of people I, are going to go along with that sentiment and then be disappointed that i'm talking about uh, an action figure but anyway yeah so huh. yeah that's our gift guide this year and so uh you know if, if this uh I'm, I'm not putting any pressure on rick but if this gets produced before you know is out there before thanksgiving have a, i hope you have a happy thanksgiving uh and in general again remind you please support your local small business and it said earlier in the podcast, we gave a list of those near us. But I'd also like to throw out there, if there's a business, if there's a cool genre store that uh, is near you in your state, please write and let me know about it. Because both Rick and I are the same, uh, you know, the same mindset on this is, is when we go places for vacation, it probably irritates people that we're with. But we see a comic book store, we see there's a genre bookstore or toy yeah. store. We go. And so, you know, let us know what, what's cool in your town that uh, maybe we could shout out in time, you know, on the next podcast. So write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com or post on our Facebook page. Let us know what, where you shop and, and who should, should get support through the holiday season and beyond. Who's built a good community? And that's, again, what, what I say. I think I, I, say, I said it before, say it again, and we'll keep saying it. The way that these stores are going to survive is everybody talk, you know, is worried about Amazon, which, hey, we're affiliated with Amazon or whoever else. You know, it, it is the community. It, it is that group of where every, everyone knows your name, but you're, but you're not necessarily drunk. Um, you know, it's not a, it, it's not a bar. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, as I always said, the comic book store to me is like my bar. You know, I, I can go into Elusive anytime, and there's somebody I'm going to have a conversation with. You know, so... I feel the same way about Earth 2. I feel the same way about Manhattan Beach, uh, about the comic bug. Uh, although I don't get down. Did I mention, by the way, did you see the photo I posted? I go down to the comic bug in Manhattan Beach, and uh, Ethan Castillo walks in. Oh, I didn't see that. 
No, yeah, Ethan. Uh, you know, uh, people know we've interviewed him from when he was nine. Uh, a, a fantastic, phenomenal artist who is now, I think, 13, maybe 14. I was going to um, say 14, probably. Yeah. 14, I think he's the same age as my son. And, uh, yeah, his he and his dad walk up. I turn around, and boom, there they are. And uh, they were just down in Southern California. He's on, on his high, I guess he must be 14, because I think he's high school volleyball team. They were at a tournament, so they took a little vacation. And they knew Mike Wellman. Uh, they met at a convention, so they wanted to go to the store. And <laughs> there it was. I'm like, well, yeah, we both went 300 miles to see each other. Because <laughs> I run into them <laughs> in Houston. But it was just such a, a weird coincidence. But there it is. You know, that's, again, it's that sense of community. And there's no fans like comic fans. And uh, so uh, thank you for listening and being part of fandom with us, fanboys and fangirls. And, fan people, uh, but I can't change the trademark. You know, the site's called Fanboy Planet. I can't call it Fan People Planet. It just doesn't have the same rhythm. So uh, thank you all. Uh, I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Brett Snyder reminding you to use, use your, your powers, powers for, for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.